0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. I'm Dr. Kim Ozano, and together with a selection of co-hosts from around the world, we discuss the ways in which people and communities connect with research and science. We hear from patients and survivors, health workers, policymakers, scientists, and implementing research organizations about the methods and approaches that they apply to co-produce knowledge to address current global health challenges. Thank you for listening and on to this week's episode. Throughout this month's series, we will be exploring mental well-being amongst people affected by chronic health conditions, and we will be particularly drawing on examples from neglected tropical diseases or NTDs. So just as a reminder, neglected tropical diseases are a group of acute and chronic infections that quite often occur as a result of poverty, poor environmental conditions and social disadvantage. The intersection between NTDs, disability, and mental ill health are increasingly being recognized globally, and we heard a lot about that in episodes one and two. But historically, the focus has been from a medicalized perspective, particularly for NTDs affecting the skin, such as lymphatic filariasis, leprosy, bruli ulcer, and onchocerciasis. So this means there's a real limited consideration of the biosocial context and the social and structural processes that shape disease interactions between NTDs, disabilities and mental health. So in today's episode, we are in Liberia, and we will be hearing from Emerson Rogers, who is an NTD case management program lead at the Ministry of Health in Liberia, and Eric Way, who is the Mental Health and Psychosocial Coordinator at Grand Bassa County, also Ministry of Health. And they're going to be talking to us about engaging with governments to integrate both NTDs and mental health services. But as always, I have a co-host with me who is exceptional, Dr. Tosin Adeke. How are you today? And tell us a bit about yourself.
1: I'm fine, thank you very much, Kim. And I want to welcome everybody who's listening into this podcast. Um, Tosin Adeke is my name. I work with the Department of Psychiatry at the Amadou bello University Teaching Hospital in Zaria, which is in Kaduna State, which is northwestern Nigeria. I have a background in mental health, in clinical psychology, and um, I've worked quite a lot with um, research on neglected tropical diseases, most recently using the uh, participatory approach. And a lot of that work has been in northern Nigeria. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Tosin. Nice to have you with us again today. So let's move on and introduce our guests. So Emerson Rogers, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a bit about yourself, your work, and why it is important for you to connect with communities.
2: Um, Thank you very much, Kim. I'm Emerson Rogers, and um, I'm a Liberian. I work with the Ministry of Health, um, serving as the National Coordinator for Case Management Entities, And um, I have a background in uh, epidemiology uh, public health technician and um, with uh, my experience working as a program technician I feel it very much important and uh, paramount who connects people affected with NTDs with uh, that of mental health, creating more awareness with the government, taking ownership as to how to integrate entities with that of mental health, which is very key and paramount. And um, with my experience working as the case management lead for NTD, um, this is one of the areas where we have observed um, that is an overlap. Uh, Currently, as we speak, um, we have not fully integrated uh, uh, the mental health and we will come to that and then we will see progress that is already ongoing, integrating process that is already ongoing and which is very, very much welcoming. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Emerson. Can I ask another question? Could you help our listeners understand what is involved in case management for NTDs right now?
2: Um, Thank you very much. Case management entities are um, neglected tropical diseases that require case management. And uh, these conditions include leprosy, Buruli also, hydrocele, lymphedema, and yours, and also onchocerciasis. Um, these are conditions that... You don't readily respond like how you respond to preventive chem, uh, chemotherapy uh, conditions of NTDs. So these are conditions that um, the patients will suffer for a very long time if they are not diagnosed earlier and then for treatment to be administered very early. So the issue of case management NTDs, the issue of leprosy, probably also these are all global conditions. And uh, as case management lead, we have been trying frantically how to respond to these conditions in terms of early case identification in the communities, referring them to the health facility for proper diagnosis, and then initiation of treatment. Um, we have also been blessed to be uh, sponsored by other partners uh, like Effect Hope uh, American leprosy WHO in addressing some of the needs of these patients, especially in the sense of uh, providing medications, uh, providing uh, training, you know, for health workers to ably identify these conditions. And um, it's very much unique to work with people or to find people with these conditions because it's almost served as a relieving factor for them when, they are kids, when their conditions are diagnosed and uh, adequate treatment are administered.
0: Thank you very much. And in terms of administering that treatment, is that at the primary healthcare level or is it community focused?
2: Um, actually, the administration of the treatment uh, takes place at the primary healthcare level. So we 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 largely depend on the community. That is the community health workers to identify the cases in the community. Though so we provide training for them on how to go about identifying new cases and then refer them to the primary healthcare level. At that level, training is also conducted for the healthcare professionals at the health facilities and uh, empowering them or capacitating them on how to able diagnose or confirm these cases. At that level, treatment is administered to the patient, but not at the level of the community. What we do tell the community health worker is to identify the cases in the community and refer to the primary health care level.
0: Thank you very much. That helps me to understand the process a little bit more. So it sounds like identification is, is also quite challenging. So we'll explore that a little bit more. But first of all, let's welcome Eric. Eric Way, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a bit about yourself, the work you do, and why you think it's important to connect with communities.
3: My name is Eric. Eric T. Weir, I work with the Grand Bassa County Health Team slash Ministry of Health, Liberia. I serve as the mental health and psychosocial coordinator for the county. In my work as mental health and psychosocial coordinator, we work with mental health clinicians within facilities that provide mental health services to our clients. And Grand Bassa is at the central, the west central part of Liberia. is one of the counties that is considered to be socially and politi- politically charged. And I also want to say that in working with the community, it gave us a lot of information to be able to identify people living with mental health problems that are in Viral traditional hub and religious area to help them come to the PAC facility where mental health clinicians are assigned to be able to identify the mental health conditions and provide adequate treatment for them. And also at the referral hospital is where we have most of the clinicians assigned that will receive these referral cases from the primary health facility for adequate care for severe cases that would need attention. Thank you.
0: Thanks very much. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more. You mentioned uh, religious and uh, traditional healers and engaging them to try to identify people affected by NTDs. Is it really difficult to find individuals affected early on in the process? And if so, why is that?
3: Yes, so the issue with NTD's condition, if we look at it within our setting and context, there are a lot of myths and misconceptions that are associated with it. So people with such condition, their first point of care would be the traditional healers or the religious leaders based on the belief system. Sometimes they attribute the condition to be a witchcraft activity that needs the traditional attention. So for that reason, many of the people patient that's supposed to be referred or moved to the PSA facility will be moved to the what traditional heater for care. So that's the issues that we are faced with in terms of our setting.
0: And has that been a process that you've learned along the way uh, how to identify them? I can imagine it was difficult at first. Is it improving identification?
3: Yes, so with the approach that uh, MSC talked about that will be engaging mental health and entity approach. One of the key things is to train the community health volunteers or the community health assistant, those who work with the largest population within the community, to see how best they can quickly or either identify such condition and make prompt referral to the hospital. That is the kind of approach that we are about to take.
0: Thank you very much for that. Um, Tosin, I wondered if I could also ask you, From your background, we keep hearing the term psychosocial support. Could you tell us a bit about what that terminology means?
1: Okay, so when we say psychosocial support, um, first of all, we're going beyond just the biological basis, you know, for a disease or a condition. We're looking at things like emotions, how people feel. Uh, we're looking at thoughts. We're looking at another aspect of the person, um, which has to do with his mind. Uh, that is wh- where the cycle comes from. And then the social, which is the people around him, the kind of support that he's got. There's a lot of studies around the importance of um, the kind of support that you get whether you are getting support from individuals, whether you're getting support from families, whether you're getting support from significant others. And all of this add to impact on the well-being of the person. So the way we think, our emotions, how we feel about what we're going through, and then the perception about how people... how things around us support us, also add to whether we feel good about being able to cope, whether we feel good about being able to live through some, particularly when we're talking about chronic conditions, you know, being able to walk through all of this with the least possible stress or the least possible pressure.
0: So thank you, Tosin, for that description. Um, Eric, I was wondering, Within the county and nationally, actually in Liberia, is is psychosocial support and the psychosocial needs of patients considered, or is this something new that's being introduced in Liberia?
3: So, the
0: psychosocial
3: support and the psychosocial need is something that is not really new in Liberia. It's something that has been ongoing, but at a very slow pace. So, it begins from the Ebola crisis where the issue of psychosocial came to being during the Ebola crisis that were introduced by all of partners and NGOs that came to support the health system within our country. So, after that, the Ministry of Health, through the mental health unit and that of the social welfare department, developed this, this group they call the MHPSS, Mental Health and Psychosocial Support Group. And this group are trained to be able to respond to the psychosocial needs of people who are faced with situations like COVID, Ebola, or other traumatic events within our country. But when it comes to the need aspect, the support is there is where you will find the clinician going into the community to work with the community member, the affected community to work with them, and also encourage the support from community members. But the need aspect of the psychosocial intervention is where we are still challenged because we don't have many organizations that will be able to identify the basic need for people in classes at a time. So we want to give the support, but not the basic need. So for the support aspect, we are, yes, I can say the country is moving so much with it, but for the need aspect, it's kind of a challenging for us.
0: Thank you very much. So it sounds like Liberia was a little bit ahead of thinking about psychosocial support because the history of Ebola, um, and of course, more recently, COVID. So it's good to hear that it's been moving slowly. And if I understand you correctly, there is some support being offered, but understanding the needs, there is still a bit of a journey forward. So thank you for that. Um, Emerson, anything to add to that answer?
2: Um, The psychosocial uh, support or psychosocial need for people that are affected or afflicted with uh, entities' conditions have been you know, in a discussion of boxes for a period of time now. And uh, as a case management lead for entities, since we started piloting the integrated approach of case management entities, we've come to realize over the four five years that uh, the psychosocial need has been identified as a gap in the case management.
0: Thanks very much uh, for adding that NTD angle there as well. I'll hand over to Tosin now to explore the work you're doing right now a little bit more.
1: Thank you very much, Kim. Uh, I think we want to now ask some just go farther in this conversation. And um, Emerson, I'd just like you to share with us how the Ministry of Health can successfully um, and researchers can successfully interact to tackle stigma and discrimination. Um, in people that have been affected by NTDs? Um, As I said that, um, we've already identified the gap, especially when it
2: comes to NTDs approach. Mm -hmm. And then that gap is the psychosocial need being provided for patients suffering from these conditions. So um, frankly speaking with you, um, it has been like two years now. We tried engaging the mental health division, you know, as to how to include or integrate mental with entities. But we were challenged in that uh, advocacy because of some uh, funding constraints, uh, so that lay it to rest. But with the presence of uh, Redress, which is a research entity. Now, what is most enthusiastic about the research is that the research has, has integrated entities with mental health. Currently, we are about to to embark on the intervention phase of the research project, and the intervention phase will take into consideration of training health workers, training community health workers, um, training um, um, mid-level health workers on the BSN. also training traditional healers and faith healers. So we also have within this package for training, we have the mental health component being integrated into the NTD's clinical flow. And this will afford all of the mid-level health workers you know, that will be trained in these three counties. The basic idea on how to approach a patient holistically when that patient presents to the PHC, here, down, What we have been um, practicing or what we have been doing as a country previously is just approaching the patient with NTDs on NTDs conditions. And then when the patient is diagnosed, our focus has been on providing treatments for the condition and ensuring that the patient adhere to the treatment, but whether that patient presents with psychosocial issue, whether that patient presents with uh, um, signs and symptoms that signal some mental health issues that need to be addressed, we have not been able to pick that out. Though from from our experiences, we have come across some patients with hepatic malariaes that have had um, suicidal thoughts, and at that point in time, we have managed to engage the mental health division. You know see of the ministry of health to see how they can move in and then um, address the issue so with the ministry of health having key attention and having key interest in um, addressing the mental health issues very very important and uh, the ministry have been taking serious you know concern especially from the emphasis especially with entities department of the ministry of health and with this research that will be ongoing. People's or patients' conditions are going to be addressed holistically. And there are there are going to be lots and lots of coordination at all levels. That is the community level, the, the community level involving the community health workers, traditional healers, the faith healers, and coming up to primary health care levels, even the tertiary levels. So we are going to be providing these basic, knowledge on um, integration or integrating mental health with entities and we are very confident that at the end of this research the findings are really really going to be rewarding and that we will be able to on the spot identify
1: people with entities that already have mental issues that need to be addressed. Thank you very much Emerson. I just like a little clarification if you don't mind. You were talking about training at the mid-level, community health volunteers, community health assistants. But you, you mentioned something about BSN. I, I would just like you to explain that. It's basic psychosocial support uh, yes, uh,
3: with people affected with entities. The BPSN is a model that was designed by Redress as a psychosocial model that they will use within their program that will aid in identifying psychological distress signs and symptoms in people living with NTDs. This document focuses on three action points: the look, listen, and link is where you will look for the condition, identify it, you listen to the client, story, the psychological distress, and be able to link them to the point of care where they will receive some psychosocial support. This document also talks about the issue of stigma and discrimination, how we can identify it. Talk about public stigma and also self-stigma It's a kind of a whole document that will be used by the service provider to be able to uh, identify the psychosocial issue. People who are living with NTD condition are faced with. In that same training, he talked about, we'll also be training the mid level clinician in the mental health gap. So, these patients who are suffering from this psychological problem, if they have any issue or any signs and symptoms that resemble any mental health problems, they can be referred to the mid level clinician for proper treatment, like depression, anxiety, acute stress disorder, or suicidal ideation or softening use disorder. All of these conditions will be taught within the mental health gap action guide, intervention guide that will be used by the May level health commission. So there are two kinds of documents that will be using within that approach. One would be the BPSN that identify the psychosocial issue, and two, we'll be looking at the mental health condition issue in people
1: that living in anti NTD-isual problem. My next question is how, so far, based on how much work you've done already, What impact are you beginning to see? From the the feedback from the
3: training, you can see the momentum in every aspect of the care, the mental health, the community health, the NTD, and that of the diagnosis. Everybody is saying that at the end of this research, there will be a positive outcome that will
1: improve our healthcare delivery approach to people living with NTD problems. This is great, um, Eric, and I'm also... Uh, very excited over here, you know, because I think um, primarily in Africa, um, when it comes to our culture, our traditional beliefs, and mental health, we tend to relegate our mental health to the background. We tend to excuse it, you know, as um, something that is spiritual, you know, that kind of a thing. So bringing different types, different categories of health workers together in the same room, you know, to conduct all of that teaching is also bridging that gap, you know, between even the mental health workers and the NTD, the community health volunteers, and the community health assistants. Quick follow-up question on that is, I know that you said that you're about to go into the field. What are your expectations with regards to now, the beneficiaries, the communities. So our expectation, my expectation would be
3: huge in the sense that we are looking at the larger population, which is the community. Whenever you approach a community holistically, getting them involved to take part within every decision-making that will improve them, you get a better result. People will be able to interact with people living with NTD condition, and then people will be able to make prompt referral to facilitate for better care, that approach, I can tell you, we will yield good
1: results. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I also again sense the excitement, you know, in your voice and um, the strength in your voice, you know, to say that approach, you know, will yield better results. And I, I, I tend to agree with you, you know, because again, um, it looks like you also you are also involving a lot of relevant stakeholders. You know, you've mentioned um, traditional religious and traditional healers, you know, because I, I see that here in this part of the world, when we take them on board, these are the people that usually our communities would fall back on. You know, these are people that they believe in. These are people that they've known all their lives in the communities. So having them being part of all, the whole of this participatory research process, not only uh, improves their understanding, but it it would also help them when they engage with members of the community to also help in improving the, the, the understanding of the community. And like you have said, it, that should, would impact on discrimination, and the less stigmatized people are, the more they would come out. You know, the more you would be able to identify those cases, the more they would be able to say, "Oh, I also have a problem, and I think I need some solutions to this." And this goes to say that there's been success. There's, you've described a successful partnership, you know, between the communities, between different levels of stakeholders in the communities. But I'm sure that there are challenges. Would you, you know, help our listeners also understand some of the challenges that you have faced?
3: Yeah, so some of the challenges that I think we will face with this project is one is the belief system. We still have the belief system as a challenge, but it's something that we will see how best we can work around to to, to see how best we we can mitigate it. The cultural aspect, the cultural practices and other things, they are all challenges that we are seeing. Also from the the mental health standpoint, if you identify this patient living with NTD presenting with some severe formal mental health symptoms, if they are moved to the facility for intervention, I will tell you it's something that we are kind of skeptical about because the country is faced with the issue of drug when it comes to mental health commodity. This is one of our challenges. I can assure you with the approach we identify, we refer. But if the patient is going to the facility, the hope and expectation that they are going for something, and when they get there, and if they are diagnosed that the case is maybe anxiety or depression, at the level wherein they will require medication, I can tell you it will be something challenging for us. Because Labura, as we stand, mental health commodity for our client is something that we are struggling with day by day. So that is one of the huge challenges that I see within the project. The integration, it will improve both the mental health and that of the, the NTD. But with the issue of challenging from the NTD will be misbelief, cultural practices, and that from the mental health standpoint would be the aspect of the medication just in case we have someone who is having a severe form of mental health problem due to living with NTD problems.
1: Okay, thank you, Eric. Um, When you say the challenges with medication, um, would that be cost of medication or would that be the belief that um, the cultural, negative cultural belief that because you're taking medications relating to something like anxiety, there is a bigger problem? maybe you would help us understand that better.
3: Yeah, so well, I'm talking about the availability of medication. That's okay. not the cost. The cost okay. we want,
1: the availability of medication. Okay, so with all of this work that's going on, um, there would be, naturally, there would be an increase in awareness, but then the, the challenge would now be uh, accessing adequate treatment for whatever mental health um, issue that has been recognized that's a huge challenge really you know but but I think also uh, it's I think it's also an opportunity because it would also create some kind of awareness within the system that we're beginning to have um, this kind of cases come up and there is need to now begin to pay attention you know to providing adequate um, mental health services, for this group of people,
3: that's the reason why earlier in research we we'll go for data. The data analysis will give us a view, a feedback for decision making and policy yes. making. Yes. So I agree with you. Once we have the increase in patient based on NTD mental health relationship, that will also make to advocate the need for medication for people with such condition. So I agree with you hundred percent.
1: Great, great, great work that you are doing there. Okay um i'll come back to emerson now yeah thank you very much findings from the
2: research data that will be pulled from the research that will inform decision makers will also ring a bell to the higher authorities of the ministry of health that look we have these conditions maybe we have been overlooking you know these conditions for a very long time but with the evidence with the scientific evidence we have that these conditions exist, and that because of these conditions, patients are also coming with other conditions like mental issues. There is a need to always make sure to provide the required drugs for these patients to have the necessary stock in at national, county, and ph you know, primary healthcare level of drugs for these patients, so that they will readily access these drugs. When they are referring to the health facility where they are assessed and diagnosed of their conditions this is this is going to be the only sustainable way of, of
1: maintaining the gains we are going to make thank you very much emerson eric i'd just like to ask this final question around the impact that all of this work is having on the communities going forward.
3: So, thank you, uh, Dawson. What I see that will be happening when it comes to impact would be a lot of information on how people can live together as one, depending on their, their problems. Because one of the challenges from the mental health background that we face is due to stigma and discrimination, people live in isolation. So with this approach we will find a good collaboration with, com- with between community members that will help to support one another in providing care when it comes to support, referring one another to where necessary care can be taken because once the community take hold of the information, the result is good. So that is the reason why we are going down to the last person within the community to give them this information. With that, everybody will be on board to improve the livelihood of those living with chronic ill problem. Because the individual within the community represents the whole family, and then every family represents the entire community. So if you tackle that individual, you're tackling the entire society. So I think the impact will be great when it comes to uh, improving care and then that of prevention. So that's why we see impact.
1: Thank you very much, Eric, for that. And um, I love the part where you say going to the last person in the community. And I think that that takes us us back memory lane to NTDs, you know, the poorest of the poor, you know, right there in the communities, in the hard to reach areas. And, And a lot of this work is going first to the last person in the community. And I like also um, how you have looked at how that would impact, you know, on the communities going forward. And I would just quickly say, you know, for ease of learning, the three eyes. you know, first is the isolation that comes from all of this and providing support, or so providing care, the information that you are providing to deal with this isolation. And with that, that would improve livelihoods. And um, in another study that we did in Nigeria, we found out that issues relating to livelihood is really key, particularly in a lot of our African, you know, uh, villages, our African communities. When people lose livelihood, it's like it's like the whole of the whole essence of living is lost, you know, and all of that serves to improve on our well-being. Thank you so, so much for that. Eric Kim, over to you.
0: Thanks very much. What a rich discussion and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And I've learned so much, um, which I think can be applied in many contexts as well. So just to finish the episode, Eric, we would like a piece of advice for others that are moving into the field of mental health and chronic health conditions and how these two can be better integrated. What would you advise?
3: So normally I always tell my, my students, I'm also lecturing at one of the, the university in Grand Bassa. I always told my students that there is no way you can separate physical health from mental health. There is Every physical health has a mental health implication. So just don't look at the physical part of the individual or consider him as a holistic being. So my advice is we all are not mentally free. Everyone who are faced or anyone who are faced, who is faced with issues need a support for the next person close to them. So those who want to go into mental health field, I want to say the first thing that will keep you into the fee is your passion. Your passion for yourself, for your fellow men and that for your country. So that's
0: my advice. Those are powerful words to end this podcast. Unfortunately, we've lost Emerson to ask his, his piece of advice due to internet. But Eric, wonderful. Lead by your passion to uh, improve the conditions for other, and I think that is very important. So, thank you very much to our guests um, for a wonderful discussion, and to Tosin, our co-host, who has really facilitated uh, a wonderful uh, debate there. And thank you, as always, to our listeners. Uh, please. Like, share, or subscribe. The voices you hear today can only be supported if the uh, podcast is is supported and shared with others. So thank you, listeners, and thank you, guests, and thank you, Tosin. Until next time, Bye-bye.
3: bye bye. Bye bye.